going on guys bobby walker here with journey of a new entrepreneur and more importantly with mind dump monday it's october 24th 2022 and i hope you're having a great day and this is the third time i've started recording this so here's the deal I'm not going to start over. I don't care if I start throwing in some things that I mean to be funny that are just horrible like I did the first two times I started recording. I'm not going to stop, okay? So that's your fair warning. Buckle in. Get ready. Uh, but what is Mind Up Monday? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Mind Up Monday is just that. It's the what I'm going to be releasing on Mondays going forward. Um, I'm still going to do the uh, interview stuff. So like this week, you guys got an interview coming out on Wednesday with Dom Williams. And Dom is awesome. He's a 29-year-old. At least he was when we recorded. I recorded this probably close to two months ago. I got a lot of them in the can here. But, uh, but he's 29. He's got multiple small businesses. I don't even remember all of them because it's been so stinking long since we did the, the show, but he's got some maid services. He's got real estate. He's doing commercial real estate. He, when he was a kid, he started out like selling candy bars, but not just himself, but like he literally like was hustling and had like kids like across different school zones and school districts selling candy for him and giving him money at the end of the week. And it, it's just, he's got a pretty cool story. Um, he even talked like a group of adults that had like a club to like loan him their club on like Friday nights or Saturday nights. And they would do, uh, he'd have like these parties, like people would pay to come to his parties and he'd have security. And, and this is like when the kid was like in junior high. Uh, so he's, he's, he's a very impressive guy to say the least. So you guys will definitely want to listen to that coming out on Wednesday. But today, um, mind up Mondays, um, guys, this is just, just an opportunity for me to do some of the stuff that I like doing that I haven't been, which is just talking to the microphone, just looking at the camera and just sharing my thoughts, sharing my story, sharing where I'm at. So um, today, um, but before I got started, I just jotted down a couple of things just saying, okay, maybe I can talk about this. So, so here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about shiny shoes and how they can save someone's life. I want to talk about becoming someone um, or maybe becoming something. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe you can let me know if it should be becoming someone or becoming something. And I want to talk about how, you know, I take calls all the time. All right. So I, I for, for literally years now, you know, like literally years, um, people will reach out to me. Um, they'll find me online and they'll want to talk to me. Sometimes, you know, they'll send me a message on Facebook. Hey, can we chat? Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can't. I don't always have enough time. Sometimes I'll tell them, shoot me your phone number and I'll call them right then. Other times I'll shoot them a link to book uh, a spot if they want a one-on-one -on -one coaching call and it costs money. It just depends. It just I don't know. It depends what mood I'm in, how much time I got, what's going on. And I've even had people that have literally just called me out of the blue. Like I don't even know how they got my personal cell phone number and um, just give me a ring. And I've literally had people from do it from all over the country and literally from different countries around the world as well. And what I want to talk about is how I can typically tell just from the, the first conversation I have with someone if they're going to take my advice without them saying I'm going to take your advice or without them saying I'm not going to take your advice, right? But I can tell if they're going to take my advice. I can tell if they're going to grow through the process. Um, you can pretty much tell if they're going to be successful. And that's what I want to talk about on this video. Um, <laughs> on this video, you're listening to the audio. I'm going to record the video as well, throw it up on YouTube. But, um, 
but before I do, I just want to share one little thing with you guys. Um, you guys have heard of Jill's Office. They're the show's sponsor. I've got to give them a big shout-out. You've been hearing about Responsibid for years. They're still a show sponsor. But I need to give a little extra love to Jill's just because they're new. And, guys, what are they? Well, real simple. I'll keep, this, uh, I'll keep this to less than 30 seconds for you, all right? They're a phenomenal virtual assistant company. Whenever your business is small and you're doing all the work and you're on the ladder and you can't take all the calls, they can take them for you. They can even quote the jobs for you and schedule them on your calendar if you do use Responsibit as well. And if your company's larger, like mine is, and you've got a team running it and all that stuff, every now and then you still can't get to calls because maybe you have a company meeting or something like that going on. And we switch our calls over to Jill's and we use them for the overflow. So here's what Jill's office does is they keep you from losing sales because they make sure that you answer the call right now. And you know what the best advice in business is, right? Answer your damn phone. Well, when you got Jill's, it always gets answered. So, guys, go to jillsoffice.com. Tell them you heard uh, about them from Bobby or the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. And I don't know if I made the 30-second commitment, but I was pretty stinking close, so you're welcome. So, guys, go, go, go show Jill some love. I love those guys, Brant, Autumn, the owners, the founders over there. Um, I got to go speak at their company event last year. It was They're just amazing people. So, uh, lots of love to my Jill's friends. Okay, so guys, back to, um, I don't know, shiny shoes and how they save lives. Um, I read that in a book the other day. And then we'll get back to talking about, um, you know, how I can tell whenever I've taken, I don't even know how many calls. It's got to be hundreds at this point. You know, I, I don't, I wish I would have kept track, but I'll take calls from people. Most of the time it's from strangers. Well, I say most of the time. It feels like it. It's probably over half the time, at least. Um, it's from strangers. And like I said, you can tell the ones that, well, I already said it. You can tell the ones that are going to take the advice. You can tell the ones that are going to grow. And you can tell the ones that, that are not. But before we talk about them, Shine Shoes. I was reading a book. I was actually reading, uh, where is this book? It's somewhere up here. Um, copywriting secrets, but what's the guy's name here? Um, Jim Edwards and, uh, Jim, uh, he was talking about how, if you want to become a good copywriter, you've got to practice at it. You know, he's like, it's the discipline of being a copywriter. You, you take these practices, these tools, these, these, um, exercises, you know, that, that he lays out in the book. He's like, you got to do it all the time. You got to, you've got to constantly be doing it. And then what happens is that, like, works your muscles. It works your creativity. It works your vocabulary. It works your whatever. I don't know. I'm not a professional copywriter yet. But he's like, you do this, and then what happens is when you're in a punch, uh, a punch when you're in a pinch, when you need something now, you know, um, all of a sudden you're able to do it. He also said, like, whenever you work those muscles, even if you're not the person that's going to be doing the copywriting, so, like, more so maybe, like, with me, I'm not wanting to be the professional copywriter but I want to at least know my stuff so I can maybe hire a good one, right? I want to know my stuff so I can inspect what I expect. And he says, if you don't work those muscles, those copywriting muscles, you're going to have a very difficult time doing that. And then he, he quotes um, Norman Schwarzkopf. Now, if you don't know who this man is, um, more appropriately, General Norman Schwarzkopf. I'm pretty sure he's a four-star general or was back in the day. Um, when I was a kid, um, there was Operation um, Desert Storm. It started out as a Desert Shield, then Desert Storm, and that was back in the early 90s when uh, the U.S. was over there in, in Iraq uh, defending Kuwait, and, you know, the war happened and all that. And 
Schwarzkopf was the uh, he was the general. He was he was the guy controlling you know the American military and making those calls. However, that works. I'm I'm not from the military, so I don't know all the ins and outs. But he was the man. And anyway, one of his quotes, um, and I don't want to butcher it. I should have looked it up in the book. Was um, shined shoes save lives. So it's not shiny shoes, like I said at the beginning, but shined shoes save lives. I think was the quote. And what he means by that, you know, what 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 the gem in the book went on to to explain was, it's obviously not that shiny boots make people a better soldier, right? If you took two soldiers that had, you know, like let's say if they were a carbon copy of each other, you know, like one was like a DNA copy of the other one, right? And they're the same age and they have the exact same experience and they have the exact same brain and they have the exact same body, the exact same training, the exact same everything. And they go into the exact same, you know, scenario in war. And they have the exact same boots except one of them was given a pair of boots that was not shined and the other one was given a pair that was. That's the only difference. They didn't shine them. They didn't not shine them. It was just they were both given a pair of boots before they went out there. We know that those shiny boots are not going to make the one person, you know, we'll say person A and person B because they're like these carbon copies of each other, right? It's not going to make that person fight better. It's not going to make them a better aim. It's not going to make them be able to hide better. Maybe they can hide even worse because they got shiny boots that reflect light, and maybe that could make the bad guy, uh, make it easier for the bad guy to see them. So why would Schwarzkopf say that, you know, shined shoes or shined boots or whatever the exact quote was save lives? Well, back to Jim, you know, Jim Edwards, I think was the guy's name, yeah. Uh, Jim Edwards on the book. It's the disciplines that make you strong. It's, and then I think more appropriately in this context, it's the disciplines that prepare you for war. It wasn't shining the shoe. It was the fact that when you were in boot camp, and I'm kind of drawing from, you know, the movies I've seen over the years, but when you're in boot camp and they require you to do these, you know, what seem, you know, trivial, you know, tasks, like making sure your bed is perfect. I don't know if it's true. Maybe my military friends out there can tell me, did they really, you know, bounce like a quarter off of your bed sheets to make sure that it was good enough? Because I've heard that. Well, what the hell does that have to do with being a good soldier? What the hell does the fact that you're the box, whatever that box that stores all your stuff at the foot of their bed, what, what does it matter if everything in there is perfect in its perfect spot? It doesn't make you, you know, faster it doesn't make you you know have better cardio but what it does is it makes someone disciplined whenever they know that they're going to be inspected within you know a millimeter of where the 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 thing is in the box you know whenever they are going to make sure that the the bed has to be perfect and there's no creases where they don't belong and creases where they do belong and and you know the 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 quarter does bounce or those shoes are perfect they don't have a smudge they don't have a scuff it wasn't the shoe shining that made that soldier stronger, and it wasn't the shoe shining that, that saved his life, but it was that life of discipline, right? It was the life of discipline that made that change. Now, I, uh, I try not to share too much of my family's dirty laundry, but I'm going to go there a little bit on this one. Uh, I won't go into the details, but like my youngest son, you guys have heard on the podcast, you know, I kicked him out of the house, you know, I don't know, three months ago, something, give or take. Um, we've brought him back, you know, think he learned his lesson. And um, one of the things that it, it learned his lesson, that's really, <laughs> that, that's not enough to, to uh, that, just imagine there's 
two hours of story within that whole short little phrase, you know, three, what, three, three, <laughs> three word sentence there. But, um, but he's back home and he and I are working through a lot of stuff. You know, we're working on this plan for him because the ultimate goal or the ultimate reason we, we booted him out was, Hey, you get to live here for free. As long as you're um, putting yourself in a place to win, you know, you're investing in yourself. You're going to school for a necessary degree. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, you're going to trade school. You know, if you can do one of those things, you get to live here for free. Um, you know, as long as you're not spending all your money on beer and hookers and yada, 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 right. You know, some, some real basic rules. Well, he wasn't spending his money on beer and hookers, but he was just not putting himself in a position to win. And he's really struggled with discipline in his life. And I've not done a great job as a father helping him create disciplines in his life. So um, since he's been back, you know, he and I are working closely together. We have a 7 a.m. every Wednesday morning, and it's an accountability meeting that we have together. And that's where he has chosen, you know, something that he wants to improve in his life. And then we're just taking these simple little things, simple little disciplines and goals, putting them in place. And we're not trying to get him from 1 to 100 overnight. We're just trying to get him from 1 to 2 this week and then from 2 to 3 the following. And um, before long, the kid will be at 100, right? But one of the things I've been preaching to him was like this Josh Latimerism, you know, and a lot of you guys know who Josh Latimer is. If you don't, Google his name, you'll find him. He's got a new podcast that's coming out. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing when it does. Um, and he's the guy that helped me get started in my business. He probably had the biggest individual impact of someone that I actually know um, with me growing my business. And anyway, Josh always talks about doing hard things. And I've even preached that to my children and my family, and I preach that to this kid, you know, this my youngest kid, Aaron, who, by the way, Aaron, uh, I'm sure one day, uh, maybe I'll be dead, but one day you'll listen to this. Love you, bud, and I'm very proud of you for what you're doing. And the, um, let's see here, where was I going with that? Um, Mind up Monday, I'm not editing, I just had a little brain freeze there. So I've been doing this thing with Aaron um, every week with this accountability and I've been talking to him about the doing hard things, which is something I've preached to him for literally years now. But now he, he's hearing me now. You know, he's older. He's an adult. He's 19 years old. He, he's had some life experience. You know, he got kicked out and had to, you know, face reality, and he didn't get a warning to do it. And so now, you know, he's a little more engaged to want to listen to Dad when we're talking about this kind of stuff. And he understands now that, you know, when dad would ride his ass when he was younger, when it was time to do yard work, you know, and I would time them because him and his sister would take, you know, three hours to pull weeds when it should take like 15 minutes to pull weeds. And I'm not exaggerating, like three hours versus 15. So I'd start putting a timer and say, if you don't get it done in 15 minutes, we're going to add more chores and you're going to be doing a lot more than three hours worth of stuff. Well, for a long time, they thought I was just being a mean cuss. I was just doing mean things and making things hard on them to um, just to be an asshole, quite frankly. But now at this stage in their lives, and now I'm talking about my youngest, but all of them would, all my kids would, would tell you this, they now understand that, you know, the timer on doing the weeds, right? The timer on pulling the weeds or the fact that um, maybe I would make them do some things the hard way instead of the easy way, right? Maybe the fact that I could have easily afforded people to mow the lawn for us, but I made them do it. They now get that they were shining their shoes. My youngest is understanding this now. It's, it's not about the weeds. It's not about, you know, I make my kids, I always made them be up at 8 a.m., even on, uh, like on weekends and all through the summer. 
some parents are like, well, that ain't nothing. I made my kids be up at four. That's good for you. And other people are like, what the heck? Even in the summer? What? Yeah, even if they had kids, friends stay the night the night before. I'd make them, you know, I'd make them be up at 8 a.m. And the reason for that was because of who they became. I remember how I was when I was a kid. I remember building these horrible habits of just sleeping and, and being kind of a deadbeat teenager. Well, Bob, kids got to be kids. Sure. Not mine. I want more for mine than that, right? And I let my kids be kids. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, come on. If you got a problem with kids being up at 8 o'clock on the weekend or in the summer, stop coddling your kids, man. So anyway, I, uh, I'd make them be up. And, again, they, they hated it. But now they, now they understand. And my youngest is now understanding this. You know, I, I, you've, had, you've preached do hard things, Dad, because shine shoes save lives. It's not because getting up at 8 was important. It's because if you can't even be disciplined enough to be up at 8, you're not going to be dis- disciplined enough to be at any job because you haven't shown the discipline to be up at a time that you don't want to be up yet. If soldiers don't have the discipline to shine those boots, they're not going to have the discipline to do all the little things in the, the battlefield uh, tactics and strategies, you know, those, uh, you know the, the millimeters and the inches that literally save lives. So that's why those boots save their lives and that's why I can tell whenever I talk to people on one of these coaching calls if they're going to listen to me or if they're going to have success or if they're going to grow or if they're not and here's what the what it is and here's the why behind that you can hear it in their voice I'll have people that'll call me and say Bobby I've been watching your thing for a long time or Bobby I just stumbled across your stuff you know what it'll usually be one of those two because I don't think people stick around for just a little bit of time. <laughs> they, they decide pretty quickly they don't like me mo- most of the time, I think, if, if they're not sticking around. And um, they'll ask me for advice. Here's where I'm at. You know, they're wanting to start or they've started and they're stuck. And I'll say, okay, well, here's what you need to do, X, Y, and Z. And I never, I never have, you know, magic bullets. I never have the thing that fixes all their problems in two seconds. That's probably not completely true. There are times that there's one little thing that you implement that fixes shit, but <laughs> but I think you get my point. You know, there's no no magic fixes here. So whenever people say, "Bobby, how did you do it? How did you grow to you know um, you know doing twenty thousand dollars in revenue with just a few hundred dollars in in uh, marketing at the beginning of your business?" You know, Bobby, have you, how have you scaled your business and successfully got employees? Bobby, how did you step out of your business and put employees into it and run it so that you only have to show up one day a week and run the thing or, you know, and meet with your leadership team? And my advice is always the same. Well, here's what we did. And what we did was hard. It's not hard stuff. Well, actually, that's not completely true. There is some hard stuff in it. Getting started in the business, I don't think it's that hard. It's just hard work, right? When you get started, you can be bad at sales, and you can still work so hard that you'll sell some work to keep yourself busy while you're developing your sales skills. But getting good at sales might be hard, you know, quote, unquote. It might be a skill that's not uh, super easily attainable. Marketing, you know, same thing. Here's, here's one that is a bit difficult. Leadership. As soon as you, you crack that nut on the, the marketing and the sales side of the business, um, what's the next uh, obstacle you hit? There's really not one until it's time to start hiring people, right? So when you hire people, that's another wall or ceiling that you hit. And that one's a little bit harder to get through than the sales and marketing because leadership, you know, it's not just something that you're born with. You might be born with um, some 
character traits that are good for being a leader. But you're not going to be an amazing leader just because you were born that way. And there's a science behind it. So so when I start telling these people, you know, here's the things that I've had to go through. Here's the failures that I faced. Here's the <clears throat> here's the lesson that I learned. Um, what you start hearing is, oh, well, I was wanting to just, you know, blah, da, 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 da. Oh, well, I mean, what if I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> you know, hit this revenue target real fast? Oh, okay, well, this other guy was talking about if I ran these ads online, then, I, you know, all my problems would be solved. And I would, you know, I, I don't have a lot to say to him. I, I usually respond with what you already just heard me say. I'll say, listen, there's not a magic fix. And if someone's selling you an, an easy path, they're full of shit. They're lying to you. So, so here, here's, here's where we come. Here's what it comes down to. Here's where my head has been for, I don't know, the last bit. You know, I'm in this new chapter of my life. I'm in a new area of exploration, a new area of growth, a new area of fear, a new area of motivation, um, a new area of value that I bring to people, and a new area of limitations that I see that I've got to overcome through, you know, education and experience. And this who do you become has really been hitting me hard. You know, I'm just a late bloomer in life. I was a late bloomer to becoming an entrepreneur. I think within and not being an entrepreneur, I've been a late bloomer on realizing a lot of things. Um, you know, as a father and as a husband, I'm unfortunate for my wife and my children. I'm a late bloomer in things. Now, that's not my whole identity, but it is, it, it, it's relevant to what I'm discussing today. I'm not a late bloomer in everything, but I am in these things. And I'm realizing now, and uh, you know, and I've been trying. I'm trying not to talk about the depression stuff too much on the show, and I'm not going to get into my whole depression experience. But I, uh, you know, coming out of that thing this past year, you know, when I first came out of it, I would have said to you, "Man, I wouldn't do that again, no matter what." And that was even realizing that I had made some improvements in my life. And that was even realizing that, um, you know, I was better now than I was prior to that big mess and, and that, that horrible experience because I'd worked on some stuff. And I would still say I wouldn't do that again, and I wouldn't wish it to my worst enemy. You know, it was painful. It was dark. It was hopeless. It was <laughs> depressing. Um, but as I grew a bit from that, you know, as I continued to rebuild myself and and, you know, I liken it to I didn't just do demolition on my home, but I also dug up the foundation because my foundation was what was weak and, and why I, I was being led to the depression. So I rebuilt the foundation, and then I've rebuilt my structure on top of it. And as I've done this, I, I can now look back at, like, say, that, that experience that I had. You know, you can put your own, you can probably relate to me. It may not be depression, but I look back at that experience and realize, wow, that was that was just there wasn't a damn thing that was positive about that whole thing, right? I mean, nothing felt good about it. But today, I would say I would do it again if I had to because of who I became. Because I became someone or I became something or maybe both because of the experience. You know, one thing I've become is someone that's more empathetic. I used to look at people that would deal with depression 
and say, come on, man, just be positive. Come on, snap out of it. You know, maybe not those exact words, but that was essentially what I would think, which I cringe saying that now. So I've become someone that has empathy and perspective there. So I can, I can help other people with that, right? But another thing, let's talk selfishly. I've become someone that can appreciate, um, you know, fulfillment versus just that dopamine chasing happiness in life. I've become someone that can stop and smell the roses and have more appreciation when I do. I've become someone that cherishes his wife more. I've always loved her. I've always been a good husband. I've also been a shitty husband in some ways. I've also been a great husband in some ways. You know, I'll take credit for both. But but today I'm a better one because I've went through that and and with these new perspectives, I, I cherish Melissa Walker more. I love and I value and, and, and appreciate my relationship with my children more because of what I've been through. But these people that will call me asking for help, they want to get, you know, uh, if it was this context, they would want that fulfillment that I'm talking about instead of just the happiness, but they don't want to go through the darkness. And I'm not suggesting that business should be dark. And I'm not saying that every person that starts a business has to go through darkness in order to have success. I hope that's not the case. And I don't believe that is the case. We, we, you know, some people have hit it rich, you know, have hit it big and didn't have any obstacles. They're just the exception to the rule. But most of us, we wouldn't be able to manage the great stuff. We wouldn't be able to manage the amazing life. We wouldn't be able to manage the finance. We wouldn't be able to manage a 200 person business if we don't first struggle with making a few bad hires whenever we have to hire our first employee. But we're so scared to hire that first person because we're afraid we're going to mess it up. You're afraid you're going to ruin someone's life by hiring them and not having enough work. Well, spoiler alert, they're coming to a small mom-pup company like yours. They know you might not have enough work, but they're sick of the other experience that they're having. If you look at yourself as not that great of a company, well, you're probably right, first off, but you can change that by looking at yourself like you are a great one. But if you look at it like that, other people are going to look at it like too, that too. So if they're coming to work for you, they know they don't have a lot of options. So no matter what, okay, <laughs> you're not going to screw this thing up, but you never become the person that can manage the 20 people or the 50 people or the 200 people because you're too scared uh, or unwilling to put in the work and unwilling more specifically to endure the pain of the hard thing to become the person that can effectively manage the one person. So when these guys call me and these gals call me and they say, Bobby, you know, how do I get to this level, this thing that you've achieved that I want to achieve? And I don't have the special fix, the magic fix for them. What I hear back is, Oh, okay, well I'm going to try this other thing. Well, more power to them. I hope they find a better way to do it than I did. There are better ways, but you guys know what I'm talking about here. And when I know someone's not willing to put in the work, not because it's the work, but because of who they're going to become, I start ending the conversation quickly. I start, you know, making sure I'm not following up with that person because I don't want to waste my time because that person just wants, um, they just want the, the, the peak, the mountaintop. 
but they're unwilling to go through the valley and they're unwilling to climb the side of that damn mountain. They want to take a guy like myself or a guy like you or a gal like you that maybe that's already achieved what that person wants. And they just want you to send the helicopter and drop them off at the top. But if I do that, maybe they haven't developed the lung capacity to be able to breathe that thin air up there yet, right? So guys, here's my challenge to you. That's Mind Dump Monday. Uh, like I said, I literally wrote this... I within three minutes before I started recording, I just thought, you know, I'm going to talk about this topic. And I remembered the shine shoes and all this stuff's been on my mind. So, so here's my challenge to the NBZ out there, the no bitch zone. Because remember the no bitch zone is a place where, you know, former bitches live. I'm the bitch of bitches, but I'm a former one. And a bitch is someone that doesn't pursue their goals because of fear or someone that doesn't pursue their goals because of uh, what other people may say, think, or do. That's a bitch. A bitch is not someone that hasn't achieved the goals yet. You see the difference? It's okay to be shining your shoes right now. It's okay to be the dude on the truck right now. Or the gal on the truck right now. It's okay to be someone with a training wheels business right now. This isn't my forever business. This is my business that teaches me how to do business. It's, guy, I was just talking to someone the other day. I, I always think, I drive by it all the time, but there's a church over here, not far from the last house we lived in, which isn't far from the one I'm in right now. And I'm sure they're great people, but you know what? They weren't great people to work for. You know, they, they said, do this thing at this price, and then we'll have you come back and clean it so often. They never did, right? They never had me come back, and I priced it so poorly at the beginning that I, I think I, I think we had like five total, you know, like like forty labor hours on this damn job, if I remember right, forty labor hours, something like that. And I think I made like three hundred and sixty bucks. You do the math, okay? <laughs> you do the math, but I'm not averaging much more than a dollar an hour on this damn job. But I became someone through that that experience. The first thing I became is someone that won't, uh, <laughs> that, you know, which I didn't learn this one until, you know, four months later. But I became someone that won't do a job at a low rate for the promise of getting more work in the future unless it's on paper. That's one person I became. And frankly, that was a pretty cheap lesson, right? I still made 360 bucks or whatever I made. Let's call it 350 And, uh, you know, I was able to buy some groceries with that right? I got paid training to become someone that's better at selling jobs, you know, uh, that, that are promising that. And I also became someone that learned how to quote those jobs more efficiently. I became someone that was able to look at a job like that and know how long it took. But a lot of people aren't willing to go through those experiences. They, they don't want to start the business or start the new service unless they know it's a home run and they're rich in 12 months or in six months or in three months, right? So here's my challenge to the NBZ. Go become someone or go become something. I'm not sure. That's going to be a new saying. Go become someone or go become something. Uh, you guys will have to help me vote on that one. Is it someone or something? I think both can apply. But go become someone this week. Go become the person that's been too scared. I'm sorry. Go become the person that's not too scared to do the thing that you've been too scared to do this week. I'm going to say that again. 
Become the person that's not too scared to do the thing that you were too scared to do this week. This is Bobby Walker with Journey of a New Entrepreneur signing off saying, go become someone this week.